1: We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc.
2: Welcome to a Celtic State of Minds. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Lawrence Connolly. For the Axon Bulletin, Lawrence, welcome back. How was your Christmas, sir? It,
3: it, it was great, you know. Uh, good. Celtic playing better. Yeah. Clean sheets, Yeah. goals, two up
2: top. Well, I can't Everybody deny it. I can't deny any of this, mate. I can't. Well, is everybody on the Lenny bus? This this will obviously creep into our conversation. Let you know, Lawrence, because over the last several months, you know we we have had differing opinions on Neil Lennon. But I think when you're looking at the the situation that what we were basically asking for is we need to start putting a run. Uh, or results together. That's exactly what we've done. Now, uh, when you're analysing every nuance of every performance, Lawrence, and picking holes and this and that, that's fine, but we are getting the results. And, um you know, what I'm trying to look at today is this week is massive in in the great scheme of things. It's absolutely huge. Uh, and by the way, I'm not looking ahead to the, the Rangers game and just taking the Dundee United game for granted. Um, I just think that, you know, two results in the next couple of weeks and all bets are off, Lawrence, all bets are off. And obviously that starts tomorrow afternoon. So we will be looking at that again, first and foremost. What's your thoughts? Because I know that you stood firm when people like myself were saying that a change was required uh, a few months back.
3: I still think we need a structural change in the way it's run. Whether that's managerial, I'm not too sure. But you know, definitely if we do change the manager, or even if we stick with Lenny, he should be allowed to choose his background coaching. And you know, football decisions should be made by the football department. Mm. I think rather than you know, we've got we've got record. You know, there's been a number of players that have been signed that managers have known nothing about. That's just what's yeah. wrong.
2: No, no, I agree with that. Listen, it's one of the things, Lawrence, you know, what I mean, if one of those players that you knew nothing about turns into a Van Dyke, then you don't mind it. Um, It always seems to be the ones that, you know, turn into a waste of a few million quid. So, yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. I think that structurally there will have to be a change, but... In order to make that structural change, I don't think we can do it with the current personnel within the boardroom. I don't think that Peter Lowell would operate uh, in any other way. I think he needs to have that kind of level of control. And so, that that was always the bigger and wider issue that you know was, was never going to be dealt with uh, mid-term or during a season, is it? I mean, that's a more longer-term view.
3: Yeah, de- definitely. It's you know the rumours are Desmond's Desmond said these people are looking. Uh, Hopefully, you know we will we'll get another Scottish Cup and ten league titles in a row at the end of the season. When we sit down to review how we should operate going forward, uh, you know the club you know, forever. Those mistakes we can see getting made in the, the preparation of the season on, on the signing of players taking too long.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: You know it puts us in the back foot when it comes to European qualifiers and how much money do we miss out on uh, not being prepared for Europe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, ho- hopefully I look at that. But you know, we've got business this week. Dundee United's not going to be easy. Mickey Ireland no. got them playing well. And then, oh, of course, we've got uh, the other Glasgow team, not thistle, the other one over in uh, on the south side of the city.
2: Well, we will we'll certainly be delving into that, Lawrence, because I won't see uh, between now and the game against Rangers. So we'll be talking about both games. Dundee United, obviously, in mourning uh, due to the the passing of the great. Jim McLean it's uh, a figure that you know people of our era because I think we are from the same era there or thereabouts Lawrence he was like an omnipresence uh, in Scottish football wasn't he and it's only when you get a wee bit older that you look back and you realise I mean what he did with a club like Dundee United was absolutely off the scale you know getting into european finals winning the league yeah with such yep. a small small squad and this actually takes me back this is this is uh interesting it's just come to light actually i hadn't had this written down but um from a very young age lawrence i was interested in chatting to footballers and getting their stories and all this kind of stuff right and the very first interview i ever did with with, with a guy called john riley now That might not be a household name, but he was part of that league winning side under Jim McLean. And it just so happened that uh, when I was getting into contacting people and interviewing them, with no platform to put the interview out, it was just something I was interested in doing as a kid. He was the manager of Cowdenbeath at that stage. And I wrote to the club and I said, I'd love to interview you about your time at Dundee United. And you know what? He came to my house. He chapped on my door, honestly, they chapped on my door one night, this guy, John Riley. And I remember he sat for a good couple of hours. He was a manager at Cowdenbeath. Um, you'll check him out on Wikipedia. He was part of that league uh, winning side. And he, he came in, my mum made him a cup of tea, and he basically gave me like a 90 minute interview. And at that time, I didn't even have a dictaphone, I was writing everything down, you know what I mean, so I I was able to, I'll have the notes somewhere, uh, knowing me with my archive, but um, many of those stories that stuck in my mind were all about, obviously, Jim McLean and the way that he built this club, because back then, Lawrence, you know, he was, you know, cut from the cloth, very similar to the likes of Jock Steen or, you know, even Don Revy, Brian Clough, these guys, they didn't just look at the football operation, did they? They were interested in everything, contracts, where the, where the guys lived, because he was all about having them all living in a Ferry and everything up in, up in that neck of the woods. So, yeah, a great, great loss to the Scottish game, isn't it?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, as you say, European trophies won the League Cup. Uh, Rumours of the European Cup semi being fixed, refs being bribed develop some cracking young players and you know the old Dundee Air boys obviously but uh, the, the smaller club in Dundee weren't they uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he really put them on the map
2: uh, oh, he did in he just did
3: Scotland but you know, in Europe they were a
2: major force Yeah, you know as well though when you look at it and uh, I did read the Duncan Ferguson biography it was uh, written by Alan Paciolo uh, the Courier writer very very good writer and there was this wave of players at Dundee United Lawrence I, times had changed so when you think back to the great side that, that McLean built first time rounds and Davy Neary Paul Sturrock Paul Hegarty and Morris Malpass so many of those players stayed with the club didn't they I know that some of them left and Ralphie Milne and Richard Goddard, etc on the left but then he had another wave and it was you know Andy McLaren, Christian Daly, Duncan Ferguson, um Ray McKinnon even was part you know an unbelievable crop of players coming through but the times had changed and these guys were looking for their big moves obviously Daly went down south uh, you know Ferguson went there via Rangers and uh, when you look at that you just think to yourself Jim McLean couldn't change um, his ways but the players were changing and the times were changing, uh, because if he'd kept that crop together again, that that could have been a force in Scottish football.
3: Yeah, some cracking players he, he had there, wasn't it? He? He, he was always one for giving youth a chance, wasn't he? You know, I, I suppose maybe that was the of, size of United, they didn't really have the money to go and buy, no matter mm-hmm. how successful they were. That the, the crowds were fairly limited. Okay. Uh, yeah, some cracking players there. A couple of. Uh, Hamish McAlpine ended up playing for us as well he did didn't he yeah, wait, wait,
2: was it a one game in a friendly
3: I, I think Celtic were short for somebody. I can't remember but uh, why but yeah it was one game
2: there's a great uh, picture on, yeah with the Celtic Tammy and all that on yeah. Hamish McAlpine so, <laughs> absolutely
3: he was the only player got, uh, McLean eh, to drop the training because it was non-stop for training mm-hmm. uh, you'll remember McAlpine was a bit hit and miss at crosses and eh, he eventually persuaded McLean to give up and saying, Look, I know what you're trying to do, but the more I'm practicing the worse I'm getting. So I eventually can you know, have McAlpine got his way.
2: And he did. It was known to take a penalty, was McAlpine. But but the reason we're talking about Jim McLean, as well as the fact that um Scottish football's lost an absolute great um in Jim McLean, is that obviously we're facing Dundee United tomorrow. And I'm taking nothing for granted. Yeah, it's only natural that you're looking to the game coming up against Rangers, Lawrence, but we have a very tough obstacle to overcome before we face Stephen Gerrard's men, and that is in the Stund United side. You look at even just the, the forward line of Mark McNulty and Laura Shankland, you think, well, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we have a central defensive partnership that is Ayer uh, and Duffy or Ayer and Julien. Uh, depending on injuries, you know, because, and I'm not criticising beat on, I just don't think that there there is that same partnership there for tomorrow. That's my biggest concern for tomorrow's game, you know.
3: Yeah, definitely. I don't think we've got a partnership. I'd still keep eye at it right back. Uh, mm. I'm not convinced that the Julian Duffy partnership. I think they're too similar. I don't think they move together well in the, the park as a partnership. So, I'd play one of them. I'd, you know, in, in beating, I suppose... It's maybe more of a sweeper that he doesn't get attracted to the ball as much as, as Julian or Duffy do. So maybe a partnership there. I, I don't know, but it's certainly something that we need to be sawing out. You know, Once once we get through these two games in the transfer window, yeah. that's where we need to be looking at strengthening.
2: We need to. I mean, Beaton, or Bitton, what's his name? Bitton. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Beaton should have scored a couple of goals against Hamilton I mean he had two brilliant uh, chances in the box from corners as it happens and he probably should have scored both of them
3: yeah yeah definitely uh, he's not averse to a long range shot either he scored a few crackers at distance uh, I'm not completely against him at, at set and a half at, you know, as a stand-in uh, but you know, we've got two games to get through he, he's an experienced player for us you know, maybe know, will shock us maybe he'll bring back young Welsh who we didn't do too much longer Long the games
2: they've done, but I, I suspect it'll be I at right back and way. A... Is that with one eye um, on the encounter at Ibrox as well, though, uh, Lawrence? When yeah. you're thinking about the width that that they have from their fullbacks. Um and again, you know, yeah, I want to concentrate on Celtic, of course I do, but when I look at that side, um, then you are looking at, you know. Tavia near having the, the season of his life, um, and a lot of that is offensively. And on the other side, Barisic, a fit, um, is, I think, one of their best players as well. So, I, I asked the question yesterday before I dropped out of the conversation to, to leave Kevin and Russell to it. Um, you know, how do we nullify that? Because that is one of the biggest threats, not forgetting other areas, areas, of the park, which I think they have improved in.
3: Well, you know, Jim Goodwin j- said, said it, you know the way he beat them was it simple just not fight fighter full mm. you know he was almost playing at back six at some points but he said yeah just not no fighter the fullbacks and that was that that was his, his game plan uh, and yeah Taverne is obviously having a better season in Barrett but that's where the dangers are going to come from that and uh, set pieces you know fouls and perhaps penalties who knows
2: Again, Lawrence, it's sometimes difficult actually um, to go through a conversation about the game without that cropping up, um, uh, and it's one of these things because you don't want to, you know, focus entirely on the issues of the officials. But you know, when you're you're seeing it, the game against Hibs for example, uh, which I predicted would be a one-one, um, mainly because Jack Ross loves a one-one draw. If you look at these previous jobs, but. It should have been at least a 1-1. And, and that does concern me. It really does concern me. But in saying that, and I'm probably going to get pelters for this. Um, I, you know, when you look at Bobby Madden uh, as the man in charge, um, it's even hard for me to say it, but probably the best of a bad bunch. Now, I'm going to get pelters for that. People are going to pick up on specific decisions he got wrong against Celtic. But I, I've seen him performing pretty strongly in these, this type of game.
3: Yeah, on, on occasions, but you've got to query the SFA ex-Rangers season ticket holder Bobby Madden referees the game
2: who else do you get though you know I, I could probably
3: pro- just I, I, I know for someone yeah. you who know, has an a, such a strong affiliation who's a seasoned ticket holder to one team
2: he denied that I think didn't he when uh, was he on the Cy Ferry show and he was, and oh, he denied that. Yeah. Go watch the other podcast, mate. To be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, it's a difficult one, and I, I do expect pelters for saying anybody is a good referee in, in Scotland, but it is, it gets to the point where it's the, you know, what's the best of the bad bunch? Um, there was a, an interview in one of our other shows this week, actually, with uh, Willie Conker. Quite a, an interesting interview, in actual fact, because obviously a, a Celtic state of mind is part of the state of mind media company. Uh, one of the other shows that we have is a Friday Night chat show called the Salt and Sauce Show and Willie Conker uh, is this week's guest so it's an interesting insight into the makeup of of um, Sc- Scottish officialdom um, but before we go any further I must say people will be looking at this uh, show today and saying it's a Tuesday where is Natasha Natasha um, is otherwise engaged at this moment in time but she will be back for the normal slot this time next week and possibly at some point this week as well so um, you're going to have to make do with Lawrence and I uh, but we did promise before we came on air that we weren't going to fall out because there isn't a referee uh, to keep us in line Lawrence <laughs> Um th- the other thing I was going to mention was that top you've got on is yeah. an a- absolute belter I mean um, that could almost be a-, a Celtic retro top with the Adidas if you were to put a crest on there is it Jamaica? Yeah Jamaica 80s mate you know just but, no Jamaican badge
3: on it but just uh, the colours
2: so, yeah Excellent nah, no, Now well, yeah, you know, um, it's one of these things. It's that period of time between Christmas and New Year, Lawrence, where you want to keep the fires burning on a Celtic state of mind um, because people are off on holiday, etc. As you can maybe see from my surroundings, I am not. <laughs> um, my home office uh, basically wasn't working, so I am now working from the studio again. But when we're looking at tomorrow's game, before we look at tomorrow's game, Lawrence, I'm going to go to some of the comments that are coming through. Um, this year has been incredible with regards to the live and interactive side of a Celtic state of mind Um, because obviously we were an audio podcast before and in January Lawrence our uh, monthly figure was just under 15,000 and I'm ticking along thinking oh that's alright, that's pretty good and it was mainly an interview based show where we were interviewing one in fact what we normally did was we would get uh, a session up at the toll booth in in Stirling once a month four hours, four interviews and that would see us for a month and that that was basically how we were doing it high um, quality production because it was done by the, the mixing team at the toll booth and that's how, how we were doing it and then we decided obviously part of that decision was made for us during lockdown we need to create more content we went live and although I have to get the final figures in, in the-
1: As the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: of December, we're sitting at a million. That's our audience, one million. Now, obviously, we're producing far more content and we are going out on more platforms. But that that's astonishing. But that's down to uh, not just people like yourself who are contributing and Natasha and Kevin and Russell and all the rest of the team. But the people who have embraced it and getting involved and you get to know a lot of the names popping up time and time again on the comments section. So I've got to thank everybody for getting involved in what we're doing here. We've got bigger plans to expand it. The bulletin will always be a daily bulletin at 12.30 but there's other shows that we're looking at. A Celtic State of Mind related Lawrence going into 2021. Uh, But again, these things are generated by the reaction you get from the audience. So let's have a, a look at some of the, the chat coming through. Patrick Murphy, quite a lot of talk about Saturday among fans, but tomorrow is massive. If we don't beat Dundee United, then Saturday holds little value in a title race. That would effectively be over. 100% focus on Wednesday. Now, I tend to agree with Patrick Lawrence because I did see some comments during the week from James McFadden. Who obviously is a Celtic fan, a couple of opportunities in his career to sign for Celtic. I would have liked to have seen him in a Celtic jersey, a couple, you know, a couple of points in his career. Um, and he was talking, as well as talking about David Turnbull's impact at Celtic, obviously the former Motherwell man, he was talking about the fact that Celtic can't drop a point. Some Celtic fans were quite critical of that. But when I'm looking at the situation as it stands, Lawrence, I think that's where we are just now. We, we really can't drop any more. Um, distance or, you know, uh, between Celtic and, and Rangers at this moment in time. And when, for example, Rangers had the early kickoff at the weekend and he beat Hibbs 1 0, the way I was kind of looking at the Hamilton game is right, we need to win more than 1 0 because we need to at least claw back a few of these goals. There's a big deficit there. So some people might think that James McFadden or, or indeed Patrick um, are overreacting. I don't. I actually agree with that. I think we've got to get maximum points until such times as we're up there three or four points behind Rangers um, because otherwise, you know, we're looking at a situation where we need to win every other derby for the rest of the season and it would need to be a ridiculous scoreline. You know, 8-0, 8-0, 9-0. I, I think, you know, for, for the past few weeks, we've been, every game's a
3: must-win game, isn't it? Uh, I think Patrick's right, it's, it's bang on. You know, Every game's what must-win, which maybe makes, uh, it's coincided with us in a bit of a form a bit, focused the minds a bit more. Uh, you know Lenny's eventually played kind of the diamond in midfield when you talk about contributors I think Philip De Marco on here mentioned that months back that that's what we should have be playing the two up top so defence is you know if we, I think we've got to play a settled team against Dundee United we've got to play a similar team to, you know, that's going to start against Rangers but yeah every game is must win. just mm. can't drop any it looks like against they the might have dropped points even the previous game uh, against United, you know, with Saint Alfie and his blessed forearm, uh, it looked like they might have been in trouble there. But, yeah, but we've got to kind of take, care of business every game now.
2: No, you're right. And, and by the way, I did mention that you'll remember Lawrence because I was, you know, looking at uh, Young Smith, who's a fullback at Dundee United and who scored that day, Liam Smith, big Celtic man. Um, just for anybody who wants to watch his progress. Dundee United, obviously, it was 2-1 that day. It certainly wasn't, um, a convincing victory for Rangers. And as you say, they were lucky they got out of jail deal with regards to that red card that should have been given. They said in defeat, obviously, during the week. Um, and then Motherwell went ahead. I know the Rangers eventually pulled that back to 3-1. And then the 1-0 against Hibbs. And again, you're looking at a couple of dodgy refereeing decisions in terms of the penalties. Um, and again, I don't want to focus on that, Lawrence, because then people say, oh, it's conspiracies and you are scraping the bile, etc. But these things are happening. You know, they're being discussed um, on other platforms within the media in terms of the, the poor refereeing decisions that, that day. So I do feel that there will come a point where that St. Martin game, and I would have much rather that was in the league, I've got to say, in terms yep. of the, you know, the, 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 the League Cup game. Um, but I, I do think there will, there will come an occasion where. Rangers maybe drop points unexpectedly, and it's at that point that if you have not been on it, and I, I look back to that Saint John'son won each game, Lawrence, where we dominated the first half, couldn't break the dumb down, same old story kind of thing. They take the lead, they were we we're chasing it for a draw. These are the games that you look back on it, you know, and think that's the two points that you know really would have uh, pulled us right back into this race here. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, but that takes us up nicely to tomorrow's game. So we'll have a, a few more uh, comments coming in, Richard Murray. On YouTube, and for anybody who is watching on YouTube uh, because we're getting some massive figures on there but uh, please remember to subscribe because uh, there will be loads of other content and as I say, new shows as well coming out uh, under the Celtic State Mind banner over 2021 and all free uh, Richard says that he agrees with Patrick we need to win all games right now to stand any chance beating Sefco, which is um, a wee term that you like to use Lawrence, when you're referring to uh, Rangers is very important, but not the only issue here We've struggled in games like this tomorrow And that has to stop I think one of the games that I've already mentioned Is, is typical of a fixer like tomorrow And that was the St Johnson game Where you're looking at the uh, the first half And it was all Celtic It was all possession And as Colin quite rightly said the other day Possession doesn't give you goals And it certainly hasn't been for Celtic uh, We were unable to break them down They then took the lead because we were so bad at the back Tomorrow we need to ensure um, that that doesn't happen. I mean the Hamilton game launched when you look back on that. Um I think at half time I was saying, you know, we've seen this so often this season where we've dominated the first half, we've had plenty of chances. But I had a different feeling at halftime because I did feel that, you know and I'm I'm the biggest critic of Lenny, not changing things. I just thought, you know what, just keep doing what you're doing. We're gonna break this side down. Um I expect the same thing to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to be very cagey in the first half, but Celtic have got enough. To break this Dundee United side down. What's your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think Dundee United will uh, be a bit more forward thinking than Johnson were. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, s- to see score before half time. Uh, we're starting to get hit a bit form with players like Mikey Johnson coming back. Mm. We've got some options now, uh, which well, we haven't had kind know of wide options for most of the season. So, at least we've got some options here. But yeah, I think there's going to be goals in the game. It should touch for well we've had a couple of clean sheets, but not be able really to sell the back it, but especially the centre half uh, pairing. Mm-hmm. I'm quite happy either Taylor or Dago left back, I at right back, Julian and one out, if, he, if he's fit and one other. Mm. Who that's gonna be it's uh, I think it'd probably be on just please his experience with eyebrows coming up. If he try and get the, the two and playing together. Uh, no, then, yeah.
2: Duffy Duffy was coming back into the game, Lawrence. He was obviously on the bench at Hamilton. Um, I mean, for me, the best central defensive partnership is Ayer and Julian, that we have. Um, but well, I take your point. I think you, if you want to play Ayer at right-back uh, with one eye on the, the game at Ibrox, then my second choice would then be Duffy. Now, that is only based on two or three performances, I've got to say. Uh, obviously, it's taken him a way out with settling.
3: Yeah, but maybe... Him and Julian just need some time to establish that partnership. I just think both of them seem to get drawn to the ball, and both of them like to go and attack the ball rather than one of them kind of dropping behind the other. And so maybe that will come with time. With a, you know on the on the pitch together, he's definitely a, a good threat offensively, Duffy.
4: You know, mm. you
3: there isn't a game you wouldn't uh, bet against them scoring. In. There there You know it's got to be pretty short odds of getting a goal when he starts.
2: Especially now, Lawrence, that we have the. Um, you know, the magical David Turnbull corners, um, something that, you know, we've been banging on about all season is the lack of um, any kind of result from corner kicks. We, we win so many, particularly domestically uh, in every game, and we just simply weren't getting anything from them. I had a very interesting discussion the other day with Paul Sheridan, uh pal of yours, obviously people yep. all know Paul from the wakes, and uh, we were talking about a book called The Numbers Game. And it was talking all obviously all about the statistics within football. And some of the things we, we both read the book. And a couple of the things that really stood out for me was, um, your best not to fight a corner. The best is to get the ball back in play. And they'll give you all these statistics that, you know, you're very, very unlikely to actually score from a corner, uh, you know, they're, they're from a header. And and it's bizarre because I think Barcelona implemented that a few seasons ago, didn't they, in Spain, where yep. basic, basically you just tap it, play it short and get the ball back in play. It's like you're playing seven asides. Um, the other one was um, the actual passing movements. Before a, a passing movement breaks down, that results in a goal. And it's something like, you know, when you looked at that goal we scored at McDermott Park, 22 passes, you had uh, Lustig crossing it in with a heel and all this kind of stuff. And it was Dembele that finished it, I think, 22 passes or 24 passes. The chances of that happening are, are one in a million because normally um, a goal scoring move is made by, I think it's between four and six passes. Incredible.
3: Yeah, but Jiménez the Con- he used to do that with Coventry way back in the 60s, and he'd them mm. t- 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 up the divisions. Uh, 60s, 70s, he'd them t- 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 up, and, and that was his idea. You know, it was like four passes to get it in the box. You know, just hit it down the line, and the winger should be running on to it, and it's his job to get it across. And, but uh, fairly basic stuff, but, but he looked into the stats way back then and said, Look, this is your best chance.
2: And it seems basic. Think- it seems basic, but Celtic, I mean, I think it's something that was implemented by Brennan Rodgers loans. It was the pass, the pass, the pass, constantly. Um, if this not out, work out, go back, try again. But what that takes away from, I think, from Celtic is a dynamic element. And that's where I, I continually stand up for Ryan Christie, even though I know his um, feelings, I really do. But I consi- consistently stand up for him because I think sometimes he is the guy you look to to make the risky pass. Yeah, the, the move might break down, but the flip side of that is the ball ends up nestling in the back of the net or he cuts through the defence and sets something up.
3: Yeah, they then even if it breaks down, you know, it might be their full back got it. Near the, the touchline, it's you've got to take on the risk, haven't you? You know, uh if you don't to take the shot, you gonna score. Uh, so yeah, Christie takes a bit of flack, yeah, but does score some crackers, especially cup final. That was a wonderful goal against Hearts. You know, and if you want uh, to get yeah, back I, I, the I, decisions, the review of that or non review of the Naismith stamp. I know. Yeah I know. When is the club going to speak out?
2: Well, exactly. I mean, the, the stamp was there for all to see. I mean, it, it was so elongated as well, though, Lawrence. That Scott Brown had the opportunity whilst he was still being stamped on to look up to the referee and say, "Can you see what everybody else is seeing here?" Um, so that that is frustrating. As is, for example um the barge on hazard during that same game obviously it's a game you and i enjoyed together watching it together and uh just to let you know in actual fact our videographer has put together a wee package of that game which i'm going to be uploading on onto youtube uh, because obviously we were online for about four or five hours uh, covering the game Uh, so all the high points and all the emotion and all those moments where you forgot you were actually on camera have all been caught and Compressed and that will be up on our YouTube channel. So if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Helen McCallum, good to hear from you, Helen. You are watching on YouTube and you're saying that get a good result tomorrow, get some momentum going into Saturday's derby. I think we have got a bit of momentum. That's what we were kind of calling for launch. You might disagree with the selection, you might disagree with the style of play and say that it's a sticky plaster. A lot of people are saying that, but we have got that bit of momentum. We're going into the game tomorrow. We've got a run together, win the game tomorrow. Um, would you be confident to go to Ibrox if you if we win tomorrow?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, they're hitting a bit of a sticky patch we've touched on uh, but for I don't know, well it's not a decided dress, but but for a few strange refereeing decisions, they may have dropped four points over the last four games. So I think you know it could could be said that they're in a sticky patch. They've got a couple of players that may be missing through injury. We seem to have found a, a formation that suits us. We've got players back from injury that's given us options. Uh, you know, we're two up top. We've got mm. Eddie and Griff now both looking like they want to be on that part on goals, which we've not had for most of the season.
2: I'll come back to Eddie, uh, Lawrence, because it's something I wanted to discuss yesterday, but obviously my tech failed and I had to leave it to Kevin uh, and Russell to talk about throwing hedgehogs at dartboards and uh, everything else. I'm not sure if you tuned in. It was an entertaining show. Uh, David Bradley, uh, welcome to the show, sir. And Zinko Vix, who is a regular contributor, uh, also welcome to the show, SPFL comedy says that the bookies have Rangers uh, odds on Celtic five to two draw thirteen to five. That's not encouraging, but you know what? We could we could bash the bookies, couldn't we?
3: Yeah, I mean, bookies are, are just a reflection of how much money's been laid, at, aren't they? It's at this stage of the game. There's going to be so much money in the game. But listen, win tomorrow, uh, yeah, I'd be confident going to hybrids uh, Get a result. Uh, It'll be, in, be interesting to see if we stick with the uh, four-four-two or we were going to play, Ibrooks. But uh, we've got two strikers, definitely, probably the best two strikers in Scotland. They play the more and score
2: goals. And a partnership, and, Lawrence. And a partnership, you know, well, a real, a real partnership.
3: Yeah, from the year last, turn of the season last year, turn of the year. Those boys were on fire, weren't they?
2: well that I, I said odds on and what I meant was evens but odds on uh, Eduard is, is going to be the next subject to discuss actually Gerald McQueen, welcome to the show and um Zinko also agrees that a structural change is required and I think that most Celtic fans would agree with that. I, I read a story today going on about the, the chairman at Celtic and how we need someone far more dynamic to chair. Um, you know, when you're looking at that board and you're looking at, uh, you ask any Celtic fan who are the decision makers at Celtic and they'll, they'll name Dermot and Peter and you think, well, where's the other driving forces on that, in that boardroom, Lawrence? And I don't think yeah. we have any.
3: We used to have strong characters in all the, John Reid, like him or not, and Brian Quinn, you know, guys with real gravitas. And, uh, yeah, I think it was David Lowe, was, and he said all, on the podcast a while back as well, his interview, you know, it, it needs freshening up. It, it needs a bit of change and a bit of new blood in there. Uh, everybody, I think, just takes it. as Desmond and Peter that make the decisions. Uh, that's outwardly seems to be the appearance. Mm. So... We'll put the lesson picking up wages for I don't know
2: and uh, the free trips to uh, European away legs, etc. Um, but again, that's another discussion we'll have on another podcast. I'm sure, lawns, at some stage from Facebook. We can't go back the way and bring Brown back in. This is another discussion. We must stick with the youth. Now, um, Colin Watt, who is getting involved in the comment sessions, and I will be bringing Colin into this discussion uh, via his comments, was saying that he expects the the team to start tomorrow to be the... The team that we would expect to see at Ibrox, Lawrence. Do you think that's uh, Lenny's thinking?
3: Could be, you know. Uh, yeah, you don't know if we play 4 4 two again and, and get a good win tomorrow. No injuries. Yeah, I, I think I think so, you know, especially a centre half partnership. We really need to get that uh, some game time for whoever mm-hmm. it's going to be that's going, going to go at Ibrox. Uh, We've got to be thinking about how, how we're going to deal with the wingers, uh, or sorry, attacking full-backs. Uh, they are so so yeah, I think colin has got a good point. Will mm. Lenny change anything Will he do for Ivericks? Would they put a man marker on it to be there? I, I don't know. He, you know Jim Goodwin's t- touched on it. That's kind of how you nullify them, just taking their full-backs. And mm. That stops most of the threat. So, I don't know if, if Lenny will, will change it. If he gets a good win tomorrow night, he may, may feel that You know, it's a few wins in the top. We've got a system that's working now. Why change
2: it? Yeah. Well, the big thing again, though, Lawrence, is we've got Scott Brown, who not only entered the the 500 club, he's played over 600 games for the club now. Uh, So decorated as a Celtic captain, so influential over a number of years. But uh, this momentum, this run of games, other than the cup final, of course, uh, which actually Scott Brown was very influential in, um, has, you know, It's been at the same time, uh, you know, as Scott Brown being removed from the side and Sorrow coming in. So I wasn't sitting here day after day saying we need to drop Brown, we need to drop Brown. What we have seen since he's dropped out of the side is a completely different um, dynamic within that area of the park, Lawrence. And then you ask the question, well, you looked at what Neil Lennon did for the Scottish Cup final um, and obviously the, the... Pick-up and form had coincided with Brown being out, but he brings Brown back in for the Scottish Cup final. He kind of hinted, leading up to it, that he was going to do that. And then after the game, due to injury as much as anything else, Brown's back out the side. Do you think that he's going to try the same tact at Ibrox?
3: You know, Brown was a great 45 minutes. We saw what he said. That he's a competitor, if nothing else. Even against Milani, they're good 60 minutes, but it's getting a full 90 minutes out of them. Uh, to be honest, I hope he starts with sorrow. He's a lot more energy, covers more ground, and he moves the ball quicker. He moves the ball forward quicker. So I'm, I'm hoping that starts with sorrow. If he brings Brown in, you know, it's. Do you think they're going to get ninety minutes out of him? Which is the big question just now. Uh, you know, his, his second half performance against Art's definitely waned a little, which is maybe why Hearts come into the game so much. So but I, I think bench is a great Brown's probably a great option having a bench bench is the best place for him you know I, I bring him on the second half to, to, to push things on or he may try something weird like use him as a man marker you know who knows because he he is as a touchdown he's a great competitor if you put him one and one against somebody you, you'd back Scott Brown to win his battles all the time in Scotland I think he's just got that that streak in him
2: yeah yeah, he does. He certainly does. Um he is still up for the battle, um no doubt about that. But sometimes again you can you can get too involved in that kind of drama, that sideshow. Um and I think it's sorrow the fact that uh, I'm not going to say there's a naivety about him, but sometimes that works in your favour because you're fearless. You're going into a game and, yep. it, and for him it's a big game, of course it is, but he doesn't have that baggage. He doesn't have that history. Um, for example, Scott Brown versus Scott Arfield. I know Arfield's probably struggling to actually make the game. But the other thing I was going to ask you, Lawrence, is in terms of the, the, the full-backs, obviously Jimmy Goodwin um, did brilliantly well another week there. And uh, defeated Rangers again. Obviously, the referee pulled up in the warm up, but again, that, that was maybe just lucky on our part. Um, Saint Mirren, you know, might approach the game. The, the, you know similarly in the league. Um, I'd be surprised if they were to get anything out. I'd love it if they did. But when we are playing them, I, I guess you could take it a, a different way entirely. You can either try and soak up um, the the offensive nature of Barisic and Tavia near. And if you were going to do that, I reckon you're looking at Taylor at left back because his defensive abilities. Maybe higher at right back. But if you're going to try and attack these guys, stretch them, pull them out of position, what are our options? So you're looking, well, we've got Jeremy Frimpong Jamie Frimpong really disappointed in that first game against Rangers, Lawrence. I watched that game with you. Um, he was almost fearful to try to take on his man, which is his instinct always to take on his man. Um, on the left hand side, what's our options there? Again, El Yunusi really failed to impress in that game. Missed a brilliant chance, uh, and I know he's not a, a left a left winger as such, but if he's in that area of the park, welcome to the show. What's your dog's name, Lawrence? As Jacob. Oh, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely, Jacob. And on the left-hand side, you've got El Yunusie, who I think could uh, stretch them. And I'm not saying as a winger, but obviously he loves to come inside. Somebody needs to pick him up. And then you've got the question of Mikey Johnston. Because uh, Mikey Johnston, obviously, uh, has started to come in. We've not seen a great deal of him, Lawrence. He's obviously trying to work his way back to uh, match fitness. If he starts tomorrow, that is going to be a very interesting selection because then I start thinking about him at Ibrox. He's been criticised for some of his previous performances at Ibrox. Some might argue that he was hung out to dry a wee bit previously, played out of position. Um I think he could be key. I really do. I think he could be key at Ibrox. And by the way, as Colin Watt quite rightly pointed out the other week, either side, he could play right or left.
3: Yeah, he's definitely gives us options I mean the first Rangers game I think Frimpong you looked at it two or three players on him but every time he got the ball we were actually getting the ball out to him as well so I, I think Rangers have perhaps identified he was our main danger man they didn't have a lot of options wide so I think they knew the plan was get the ball to Frimpong and he was going to get yards off the pick you can always so fast and they looked to nullify that so we've got some options yeah Mikey Johnson it's good to have him back let's see if he starts against Dundee United, I think uh, that's going to be a bit. he's definitely going to be an option that I'd like to see, him get some minutes at some point against Rangers you know, he's got goals in him, he can can beat a man uh, he's got great feet on him hasn't he, uh, so yeah I'd definitely like to see Mikey what will Lenny do you know, will he do anything like Man Mark, honestly I'd like to, like to see him uh, uh, maybe try Man Mark having I remember Anoni uh, done it against Loudrop and Loudrop didn't get a kick at the ball and completely mm. stopped him that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, would Lenny do something tactical? Like that, like a change? Obviously, it's going to kind of change a the formation then. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but well, Jim Goodwin's touching it. You stop him. You more or less stopped their game because Donald Parish is, is going to be fit, is he, for, for uh, to play against us?
2: He played against Hibbs, so I would need to have a look at the lineup tomorrow. Lawrence and see if he, if he starts.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, the coaches at Celtic, are have given some advice, they'll have been watching the video. I'm sure it's just rumours that they don't watch it, that they'll be watching, you know, how Rangers play. It. It's no surprise, it's 4 3 3. They're going to come out and they're going to try and put everything through their full backs. They're going to get go down easily and try and get free kicks in and around the box. Okay, to, get crosses in I think that's generally how they they seem to to play against teams we've got to be wise that you know don't be giving away cheap fouls because the ref will give you know he will give the free kicks
2: yeah absolutely now Colin Watt uh, is coming in to suggest massive game tomorrow absolutely Colin Dundee United no mugs team that starts tomorrow should be the team that plays January the 2nd um, obviously two entirely different games but I get what Colin's saying and I think that if we do look at uh, Mikey Johnson appearing tomorrow then to be honest with you Lawrence I'd be pretty excited with that because you know I think that the width has been one of our biggest issues this season, Laxalt doesn't give us width, you know, I, I do rate Laxalt, I think he brings a lot to the table, but he doesn't give us width, you know, he doesn't hit the byline and cross it over, he, he does a lot of other things really, really well, Pong's brilliant at taking out a man, um, but we wish he would hit the byline a wee bit more often, he's started doing it, you can see that he's getting coached into him, Lawrence, not the finished article yet, and I think the only natural guy that we've got, who does that at the moment is Mikey, so if we do see him, it'll be very interesting, Now you notice he's a different player altogether, isn't he?
3: Yeah, For me, he's just too hot and cold. It really is. You know, he's one of those guys that's like a nine or a three, and it's you know, very rarely anything in between. And you just don't know if he's going to turn up. I don't think we can be afford to be carrying players, which is what sometimes you end up doing with Ellinor. So you end up carrying
2: them. You do. You
3: do. You know, which is a shame because he's definitely got he's got talent. It's just he's not consistent enough.
2: Big thing for me, lot, and So I keep saying this. I, I always say, you know, you can't play al say, and Cham and Logic in the same team because you won't get three performances out of those three players. So you may get one.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, maybe that's what's changed in the midfield. If you're looking at Turnbull, Christie, McGregor. The three of these, you know, they're, they're non-stop guys, aren't they? They're running all the time. They're mm. giving you everything. You're not carrying passengers, you know, even if they're not having a good game, their touch isn't maybe in that, that, that day, they're still working. You know, They're still getting back. They're still getting you know, between the, the, the goal and the ball. They're still putting a shift in and making it all difficult for the opposition. Could we really say that about Moy, Charm and, and Rodjick?
2: Anyway, I know. I know. You know. I know. I would actually yeah. expect, and uh, Charm, I think uh, I would expect him to move on in January. Uh, the club have come out after speculation appeared in the Italian press, Lauren Cobb have made it clear that they've not made a statement, of course, but they've uh, they have communicated with the player's agent, Otsen Edward, uh, apparently to suggest that he's not going anywhere in January, um, and it will be the summer before they start looking at that situation. The story, obviously, that appeared was in the Italian press in relation to Juventus and AC Milan being interested in the French um, striker, and there was a fee quoted of thirty million, which I thought I was quite surprised that under the circumstances. Of where we are in world um, economics, but also in the fact that his, his form has dipped fairly dramatically. Up until the last couple of weeks, we're we're hoping to see some kind of recovery from Otron. And I use the word recovery because we can't forget the boy had COVID. You know, he's fighting back. He's twenty two years of age. He's a young player fighting back from the COVID. Yeah, he has had a lot a loss of form. He's been up there on his own again, Lawrence, as he was for the first half of last season, almost praying for reinforcements, which appear to have arrived in the form of Lee Griffiths. Um, even though we've got a £5 million striker sitting on the bench Lee Griffiths is, is now um, one of our, our first picks um, for Celtic which is incredible when you look at where he's been this season but uh, Edwards, for me is integral if Celtic are serious about uh, pulling us back we need to keep Odds Edwards at the club and I did I put out a tweet um, the other day there and, you know, I don't mind getting criticised and I don't mind people disagreeing with me because that's just the nature of social media and podcasts like this. And it's healthy. It really is healthy. Um, but I think, you know, what I was trying to say is that even at the levels that Odson is at at the moment, he gets a game before Klamala. He gets a game before Ayeti. From what Klamala and Ayeti have shown me, I would still rather have Edward um in a Celtic jersey because I know that he's a game changer. He can give you that bit of magic. Um, I think... A few issues around his performances this season. Um, Yeah, he eventually wants away. I'm I'm not saying he's demanding a move. No one looked happier than Odds Edward in the Scottish Cup final, Lawrence, when we won the game. But he wants a move, of course he does. Very much like his countrymen uh, before him, Musa Dembele. They get promised, we'll give you a platform, on you go. That platform, part of that platform is European football. We don't have it this season. He's probably got one eye on a transfer uh, transfer window in January. He might be in a mood if he doesn't get his move. But I think it's integral that we keep Hodson Edward and um, if we are serious about ten in a row, which at the moment isn't up, it isn't a foregone conclusion that we're not going to win this. Obviously we need to continue with the form. I, I think we need to strengthen in January. And we're hoping for some kind of derailment of sorts. I would expect Rangers to drop points anyway, even when they're playing well, because that's what happens, Lawrence. But I would expect uh, Rangers to drop up a few points. But going back to the very first point that was made on the show, that means Celtic need to win maximum points all the time. So I've not given up on 10 in a row, but I think if something happens in his transfer uh, window in January and we lose Edward, then I, I think it's a white flag.
3: Well, I, I think a lot is going to come down to the player. I mean, his form's dropped, but not the, the French under-21 side. You know, he's still banged them in there. So, it, you know, we, I think we've caught Eddie a lot of slack this season that other players want to get cut, just because of his potential. But if he doesn't get a move and then he gets back to Sulkin and not performing, I don't think that's going to bring Tenelo any closer. So, Celtic's statement that, you know, he's not for sale. What are they going to say? He's for sale. <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, I think it's a statement that it's expected. Too so much truth in it is in it, I don't know. But certainly, it'll push the price up. You know Them saying? He's not for sale. If Eddie wants a move and demands it, are we going to be in a position to stop it? You know, we had to let Muta go. Mm. Uh, in the last day the transfer window, with no preparation of getting anyone in to replace him at least that but surely we've got some plans and we're looking at some strikers because as you said uh, I think know where he's going to move on at some point uh, the question is is it's going to be January or it's going to be the summer and I think a lot of that's going to be down to the player because if he just threatens down tools or his back to looking like he's been most of the season mm. I'm not too sure how much he's going to contribute which, if I've got an offer of £30 million and we have got a, a replacement to bring in, it's, it's it's going to be a hard one to say no to. Uh, yeah. Hold a player against as well. when you know what kind of performances he's he putting in the first half of the season. Mm. And I take it, you know, that he wasn't part of a two then, he didn't have partnership that he seems to prefer playing in, but he was scoring for France under 21s. He was putting in some great performances for them that certainly were mirrored on his time at the part for Celtic. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a tough decision and I suppose it's going to be based on the size of the bids. and hopefully we've already got a couple of replacements uh, we've, we've identified and, and watched the, the YouTube highlights at least on and got reports thoughts on uh, should the worst comes to the worst and it, it moves back on.
2: Absolutely. Now, Robert Highland uh, is commenting, I am not on the Lenny bus. He still needs to go ASAP. The club is still going backwards and Con Turk 67. I seriously don't see us taking anything off them. Not that we can look over United at the moment. These next two games and make or break for the 10, I think the next week is massive in terms of any hopes of 10 in a row. Uh, Alex Robb, Dundee United have had good results. It will be difficult tomorrow. Um, I think they've had reasonable results. I mean, it's not as though they're setting the heather like Lawns. Let's be honest. It's, you know, they've not gone on a 10 game winning streak. It's, they've had reasonable results. So I was looking at the form uh, over the last couple of months there. I think Celtic have got enough um, to Overcome Dundee United, you know the same way that we've, uh, you know, been winning games over the over the last few weeks. I, I do think that you know they're a decent enough side. I think that there's a bit of threat up front. Has Shankland made that step up? We know that he's a he's a Championship player. Um, he's very successful at that level. Has he made the step up? Um, the question could be asked um, that, you know, you, you could make the point that he's not at this level because I'm saying that and let's just hope he doesn't score the winning goal for Dundee United tomorrow. Um, David Bradley got to win tomorrow big time. And Zincovics. we need to put in a great performance tomorrow. Puts us in a good state of mind for travelling to. Grayskull. Now I'm going to have to say something about Castle Grayskull Remember Castle Grayskull was for the good guys Castle Grayskull was He-Man's It was Snake Mountain that was the bad guys So would you not know be calling Ibrox Snake Mountain I always hear it getting called Castle Grayskull I'm an 80s oh, kid portfolio. Lawrence I'm an 80s Maybe kid just man call it Aye. There we go uh, Facebook reckon 4 points out of the next 2 fixtures Just keep Celtic in it Now that's interesting because if Celtic were to draw tomorrow It would be pandemonium uh, on the bulletin come Thursday uh, and then if we go out and, and beat Rangers at Ibrox you are then uh, ruin the, the, the chance that you had to pull it back even longer so four points you know I don't even think that's enough Lawrence
3: no, I think we want to take six points then we're into is it fourth of Jan transfer window mm. mm-hmm. it appears that the club have some money uh, and really what you know Edwards part is going to be part of the transfer window but what else are we going to do Are we going to look we're going to start the young corner on goals and we're going to look to bring a keeper in are we going to look to spend some money on white players because you know it was rumoured that Lenny White's couple of white players in at the beginning of the season he didn't get them are we going to put that right in this transfer window Uh, as you say is Cham going to move on I don't think he's contributing a lot Uh, we've got a lot of midfielders the the minutes I saw young Henderson get I'd rather have him in the team than Cham just now you know and so I, I think if we can move on, it would be probably a wise thing to do his contract's running down I think both Brendan and, and Lenny have struggled to get the best out of him there's definitely a player in there he's definitely mm-hmm. got a talent he, again it's consistency he doesn't show consistency offer and doesn't show that he wants it enough so yeah I think moving him on so I think it's six points uh, and then it's kind of if Lenny can deliver six points it's a, a big Look over to Nicky Hammond and whoever else is involved in the decision of recruiting players and and see what they have. Rumours we want uh, uh, young boy Robert from Airdrie. Yeah. But so hopefully we'll look at a couple of winners. Centre-half. I don't know about the goalkeeping situation. If Connor keeps another two clean sheets, you know, do they change?
2: I was going to ask you, Lawrence, about the goalkeeper situation. Moving into the January transfer window, um, I do expect Celtic to bring in another goalkeeper, but I also expect it to be a, a short-term fix because we're looking at Barkas and we really can't risk throwing him back in, um, especially where we've got Conor Hazard, who is playing well enough to keep the jersey, certainly. Uh, now, we've been told time and time again on the podcast, get over old players that you could maybe bring back we've been told that about Paddy Roberts we've been told that about Philip Benkovic uh, centre half who's barely kicked a ball since he left Celtic and should we be getting told that about Fraser Foster or is it a case of you just go out there and you try and negotiate again a deal to bring him back up the road even if it's a short term six month loan deal and if that's the case Lawrence I would expect one of our goalkeepers to go now yep. Then you're asking yourself, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be expecting Conor Hazard to go because he's shown enough that he is uh, worthy of being part of that first team squad and pushing for the first team jersey. Um, I think there has been some moments of his performance against Hearts that, you know, questions might be asked about, but the boy's starting to get clean sheets and I think he's going to grow in confidence. Um going into the second half of this season I think it would be pivotal to bring in someone like Fraser Foster but then it begs the question, who leaves? Do you get a move for, for Scott Bain who for me is a third choice goalkeeper every single day of the week for Celtic or do you try and cut your losses with Barkas or do you cut a deal whereby Barkas goes back to, to Greece on loan these are all the questions I, it wouldn't surprise me if we tried to cut our losses on Barkas you know
3: Depends on what you can get in the market. Uh, with the emergence of a corner, if you bring Fraser in, is it going to be short term? Or would you look, look to resurrect a deal from the summer and bring him long term? You know, you need to find a buyer, wouldn't you? Uh, for either Bain or Barca's? I suppose that that's the thing. Barca's have got a longer contract. Bain, could going to be in a shorter contract. Maybe maybe it's time for him to move on. I'm thinking just for even if we bring in a number one, I'd like to see Connor get chances before Bain. You know, we'd be talking about the need to develop players. Are we really doing that? What's Scott being 29? Connor's 22, 23. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, yeah, it's being a barcast that you'd like to see move. I don't see us getting a, a buyer for Barcash just now. Maybe stock's high in Greece, but how much money would we, we need to lose on him? Are we talking about losing a couple of million before a club there would be interested? Even if you put them him back on loan, does that really solve our issues? I'm, I'm not too sure you want three good keepers. Maybe it is time to move Bane on, I think, if, if we get someone in. Uh, get gives a good signal to, to Connor. Uh, mm. so we can have a, have a chat with him. Because if we bring someone in, we'll bring them in to be number one. As you say, corner's not really done anything. He's it is, it is deserving of losing the jersey. So uh, perhaps, uh, yeah, I think Bane's probably the most likely to move on.
2: Yeah, you mentioned uh, developing players, Lawrence. Now, as I said at the beginning of this show, um, as part of A State of Mind, which is the media company that we operate under, there are a number of other shows. One of them is a very regional show, whereby uh, Portobello uh, sixes have a broadcast and that allows parents and players to get involved in various challenges. And, um, what we do is we try and get, uh, guests to come in and offer some advice to young football players. And we do it in the form of a Q&A, just a chat between me. And we've had people in like, you know, Mickey Weir came in. Uh, we've had the goalkeeper, Cammy Gill, who plays for Dunfermline. He's came in, uh, to offer advice. Uh, various others, uh, Colin, Did one of the interviews with Gary Locke recently before the Scottish Cup final. So the other week there we were visited by Jackie McNamara. Uh, I called him a Celtic legend on Twitter and I think he is a Celtic legend. But what I got from that conversation, it's not the first time, Lawrence, that I've had this feeling about Jackie. is Jackie's got an edge, right? And you know what? I think that he was um, unfairly treated at Dundee United. Uh, and I also think that he made the wrong decision by going to York and I don't think he would deny that himself but when you look at the development of talent uh, Lawrence, often with a very very small budget Jackie McNamara worked wonders at Patrick Thistle and also at Dundee United and there's a whole list of players as long as you're on, that he worked with he brought into the clubs he sometimes rescued from the scrap heap a number of players and I'm really uh, every time I speak to him about youth development I come away thinking that he has got it nailed. I actually did rate him as a manager, but you know, obviously he's had his health scare, and I'm delighted to say that he's fighting fit. He's he's coming back really strongly from that. Um, but I asked him, I always do, uh, would you get back into management? And his answer always is never say never. But uh, it's been on my mind over the last few days since I spoke to him um, that he should be back at Celtic Park. And I think he should be involved in the Celtic Academy. I really do. I think that, you know, his ability to develop young players and identify young players, Lons, um, is, is incredible. And I think he's a, a great loss to Scottish football, but I also think he's a great loss to Celtic. I mean, he should be in the Academy in some capacity. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I
3: mean, definitely a Celtic legend. Uh, you know, sad to see him go. I think Celtic were, were slow and get a contract offer to him at the time that he left. She he "Developed a number of young players. He had an interesting uh, contract at United, where he get rewarded for developing the players and selling them on. Definitely worked well for him, didn't it? Uh, so it seems to be able to spot players and bring them on. It's something we could be doing. Whether it's in at the academy, I don't know. We, we Maybe could be using them in the coaching coaching setup as well. Uh, he definitely knows his football, Jackie. Uh, him said, Sid were very much a partnership, though, weren't they?" And any time I've heard heard Sid speak, you know, he's kind of real switched on. So, would you bring them in as a team to the the academy?
2: Well, you know, I think that he's got the ability to operate at quite a high level within an academy. Um, You look at what he's done as a manager, Um, he was the chief executive of York City Football Club. You know, he knows a football club from grassroots right up to the very top. And I think that he could do very well in a high position within Celtic's academy. And I think that uh, if another club were to, to see that potential and to give him a position, Celtic will be ruined that as a missed opportunity.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely worth looking at, isn't he? Uh, you're then looking at moving someone on. But we do need to do better developing players. Part of that's kind of getting them first team ready, isn't it? And no and wonder they're going to be there. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll have Mikey, Callum, Jamesy Forrest back before the end of the season, Connor. You know, we've we'll, we'll still got a reasonable number in and around the first team. Uh, but if Jackie can improve on that, you know, definitely get him in.
2: Now, just for everybody who is tuning in on the comment section, obviously I'm multitasking, I'm monitoring the comments as I'm speaking to Lawrence. And um, I'm aware that a few are still falling through the cracks and I am moving through them one by one, uh, removing them. So I don't know what they've got in terms of time. They've got far too much time in their hands, Lawrence. I certainly don't have time to troll Rangers podcast and broadcast, but uh, they really need to get a life. And they're being, they're being blocked one by one. We'll get through them. Uh, We definitely will get through them, and I'll have a look through the comments at the end of the show as well. So, if you're going to come in with all that kind of nonsense, and by the way, uh, I was going to mention, you know, the Alex Dyer uh, story that broke in terms of racism. Um, It just shows you out there, Lawrence, the cesspit that we inhabit and I've seen a lot of it over the last few weeks and months on social media, on this broadcast, on this podcast and you know the nastiness and the the toxic nature of people's states of mind and it says so much more about them that someone would would craft some kind of communication I'm guessing it's a letter and and send it to Alex Dyer at Kilmarnock absolutely unacceptable behaviour but I see it not always racist, I've got to say, but I see it on a day-to-day basis on here, presenting a Celtic state of mind on social media, and people really need to get a grip. They really need to get a grip. I mean, it's a cesspit, it's toxic. Now, they can throw anything they want at me, absolutely anything. I can take every single bit of abuse they can throw at me, no problem. But there's a lot of people out there, Lawrence, who can't deal with that. Yeah. And it needs to be managed, it really needs to be policed.
3: Definitely, I mean, well, what I look at with the manager has uh, been attacked in the street, attacked at his work, bombs and bullets through the post.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think the Celtic supporters, we appreciate, you know, the dark side of the society we're, we're living in, and it's mm-hmm. something definitely needs to be placed and cracked down on. Uh,
2: yeah. Absolutely. But we will be continuing to monitor it on a Celtic state of mind because, uh, you know, that element, Lawrence, are certainly not going to affect the 1 million views and listens that we've had in December. Uh, We're going to continue to build this platform, make it stronger, make it a place where Celtic fans can come and chat and disagree and debate. I mean, I do that. Uh, we did that last week, watched the podcast, it was actually quite amusing uh, you, love Lenny, I don't think he's the man for Celtic anymore, but that's just the way it is, and that's just the different views, and you know what, if we were going to the game in a car, or on a supporters bus or we're having a pint after the game, we could have the same discussion, we're not going to fall out about it but that toxic nature of some people out there is absolutely unacceptable, and we'll, we'll root them out we'll definitely weed them out, Lawrence so if you're watching, you know, you really need to find something better to do with your time, you're really do lads and lasses. but um, on that note uh, give me a prediction for tomorrow once
3: I'm going to go 3-0 uh, I think we'll keep another clean sheet uh, I think we'll get the win uh, tune us up uh, for a win at Ibrox mm.
2: and will we get that win at Ibrox
3: I think so I think we're, we're going to surprise a few critics uh, I think they've been looking shaky Uh in uh, any kind of abominations
2: by the referee I can see he's 1-2 or 3 now Right, well Lawrence, you'll be back on Tuesday to discuss that both games and you'll yep. be joined by Natasha Miko, who regularly joins us on a Tuesday on the Bulletin but all that's left for me to say, Lawrence Conley is thank you once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind <laughs>